0: So it all happened in a matter of days and I thought it was going to be months. And so it was just like a whirlwind, honestly, but it was so empowering. Like I just felt I walked out of the courthouse and I was just beaming.
1: Welcome back to another episode of the No More Zero Days podcast. Today's guest is country music artist Emily Daniels. I first came across Emily on my Instagram Explore page one day and read the caption of the post that talked about her decision to change her last name due to wanting a new identity after overcoming an abusive situation with her father as a child. It was at that point I knew I wanted to have her on the show just the amount of courage and bravery it would take anyone to go through something like that, much less change their last name from it and want something more for their life. Today's episode goes very deep into the story. We discuss all things country music, her love for the color red, and so much more. Episode 30 begins now. So, similar to first dates, like, my pet peeve is just, like, people, like, throwing up these really silly questions, and I'm like, I want to get to the good stuff. I, sure, I may value your favorite color, or if you value chicken or steak, or whatever your favorite dessert is, but it's like, I want to know about Emily Daniels. So, right off the top, tell me about, and I know that this is a really big question, so take as much time as you want or need, but, like, tell me really the story about what led you to deciding to change your name. You then wrote an amazing song about it. It was really powerful. Like there were some really big lyrics in there that I was kind of touched listening to of like, I cannot imagine writing this much less performing this much less this actually being my reality. And so I know this was a big moment for you and it was kind of the genesis really of, of why we're here today. So I just want to leave the floor to you and like wherever we go after that we go, but I think it's such an amazing story to be told and you're so brave and, and have such vision for your life to be able to to come out of that tragedy and, and those years and say, like, hey, this isn't the banner for the rest of my life. Like, there is more to this story and I just wanna hear more about that.
0: Yeah. So, um basically, long story short, my biological father is emotionally and verbally abusive and a narcissist. And so I didn't really know that wasn't normal. I didn't know that was rare or just i don't know you don't know you don't question your parents um that they're not like other parents until you see something that's contrary to that so i didn't realize it until my parents were getting divorced when i was 16 and i started going over to friends houses and noticed their dads and i was like he's really nice and my friend was like yeah and i was like but when i'm gone like he's not right and she's like what are you talking about i'm like well like, I'm sure he's different when I'm not here. He's probably like yelling at you. And she just like, I just remember she looked at me and was shocked and was like, no, like he's, I mean, sometimes he gets mad if I like don't clean my room or something, but no, he doesn't like yell at me. And I think that was kind of a moment, a light bulb moment for me of like, okay, I don't think my reality is normal. And so I started kind of questioning everything after that. And, um, since then, it's been 10 years, but I ended up deciding for my own benefit, I needed to just cut off any kind of a relationship with him. It just isn't, it wasn't and isn't healthy for me. And so I kind of had to draw that boundary, and that was my decision. Um, but obviously, when you are born, you're given a last name, which is typically your dad's. And so for me, that was just really painful holding on to that. And you have your name plastered everywhere, whether it's attendance or going to the doctor's office or someone putting your name in their phone or just, hi, nice to meet you. What's your name? Um, you see it everywhere. And so for me, it was a daily reminder of this person that I wanted nothing to do with that had just made my life hell. And so I had wanted to change it, but I also didn't know what I wanted to change it to for a while. And, um, So my mom actually got remarried when I was in college to an amazing man named Daniel. And he kind of just stepped into my life. Like, obviously, I wasn't a little kid. He didn't have to be a dad to me. um, But he really just stepped into my life and showed me what it was like to be a dad and to be a man. And... I'm just really grateful for him. I call him my faux pas, um, which is an endearing term. Um, He calls me Belfie, which is French for stepdaughter, but it also means beautiful daughter, which is just a sweet thing I think they do. And because step kind of sounds a little cold and harsh. But um, so anyway, he has been just really helpful in my life um, in healing that, I don't know, that family aspect for me. And so I did decide I wanted to change my last name to Daniels to honor him. Um, And honestly, I kind of was using it professionally before I went through the legal process because I didn't know how hard it was gonna be. I didn't know what that was gonna look like. Um, I figured it would be months and just drawn out and a lot of painful, like I thought the whole thing would probably be kind of painful but i did want to change it professionally before i put any music out so that i didn't have it tied to my old last name and um i just remember i was driving on the highway which is actually where i get a lot of ideas which is hard for songs because then i want to write them down but i'm like driving and that's not safe um so i'm like record a voice memo or something and i just had this line all he ever gave to me was my last name um and that was the line I had and I knew it was going to be a special song because it was super personal and just so close to heart. Um, and I didn't want to just bring it to anyone, but I kind of had some ideas of of songwriters that I had worked with before. or I had heard their work that they just did a really good job at delicate, sad subjects like that. And so, um, I brought it to my friend Kelly Seidel and, um, I, a new friend at the time, um, Haley Verhollen, and, um, I just brought this idea into the room and Haley, God bless her. She didn't know me at the time, really like not well, this is our first time writing together. And she was like, well, I need some context. Like, will you tell us about your family growing up? I just word vomited for like 20 minutes about like all of this horrible stuff in my, that happened growing up. And, um, I mean, the song just kind of was born that day and Kelly had the, the hook, like the dagger twist I guess you would say of um and I can't wait to give it away which is really like the empowering part for me of like not waiting till I got married not just not waiting for someone else to kind of save me from that I was like you know it's 2020 at the time it wasn't it was like 2018 I was like it's it's modern day like you can change this yourself like you don't have to wait um there's no rules at this point and so I knew I needed to change it and then I finally decided like a year later to legally see how that was gonna work and I remember it happened honestly I mean it's different state by state county by county but for Nashville it was so easy I like went to the courthouse I had to bring like my birth certificate and everything and then I think it was like a Thursday afternoon. I went by, brought them my forms and then I get a call Friday that they're ready for me Monday. So it all happened in a matter of days and I thought it was going to be months. And so it was just like a whirlwind, honestly, but it was so empowering. Like I just felt I walked out of the courthouse and I was just beaming. And then I had to, of course, when you change your name for any reason, you have to like go to get your social security card changed and go to the DMV and all these things that people like hate. But I was like the random girl in the DMV that was like thrilled to be there because it just meant so much to me that I finally got to change this name. And so people thought I was probably on something or crazy, but it was it was really cool. Um, and then I played the song out a lot and I didn't I knew I needed to release it, but, like, I think doing so, like, I didn't think people would be able to relate to it as much as they have, Um, which is both amazing but also just heartbreaking for me, just that it is a song that people relate to because there's not – most, like, dad songs out there are, like, really sweet and, like, a first dance song you'd have at your wedding, and I'm like, this is not that, but it's something that, like, I, I never got to hear, and so I was like, I'm just going to write it myself. So, um. That's kind of the basis of the whole story. It's kind of long-winded, but...
1: So, wow, that's amazing. Again, like, how much courage you have and bravery and just, like, this drive to, like, own your own person, I think is something special. But I'm curious, before we kind of move off of this or or ask more questions around it, on kind of more of a forward-looking perspective of who Emily Daniels is today, but was there ever a moment where you maybe doubted of like, should I really be doing this? And I'm only curious not because and for everyone listening, you would probably say there's no way she doubt it. like you you just spoke to it so eloquently and with such you know, like fervor, but I just know like in my life, whenever a big decision is coming, whether it's something petty, like losing weight or something really big, like relationally uh, with friends or family or stuff, there's always that moment and it's in kind of our fight or flight brain because it's been proven like, Whenever you want to make a big decision, I think it's within 10 seconds, your mind's going to tell you why you shouldn't do that. Was there ever a moment, and and again, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, You can flat out, be like, nope, 100%, (laughs) I was ready to go, ready to be on person. Was there ever any doubt?
0: I think the only thing I doubted was what to change it to. Like, I didn't want to just pick a name that sounded cool, but I honestly was pretty convicted from the start, like, that it was the right thing to do. I just felt like such peace, and I mean... I never really questioned if I should do it or not. I think some people question me. They ask me, um, well, what if you have a relationship with your dad one day? Like, would you feel bad about that? But I don't know. I can't speak to the future. And I, I do believe like anyone can change. Like there is that, like God can change someone's heart. But I don't know that it's I've lived with this my whole life and more specifically, like the last decade. And so I just knew that this was the right decision for me in healing um, and in shedding a lot of painful memories that um, were just attached to that name. So I didn't, I didn't question it, um, but I totally understand why someone would. and and I don't know, like it, it makes sense to me that someone else might.
1: Talk to me a little bit about your personal songwriting process. I'm always fascinated in hearing because um, I never want to like assume anything about anyone. And I think all of us from the cheap seats looking in are like, Oh, songwriting it's just someone sitting in their room like diarying about something like you mentioned you you know you you think about your best songs or your most empowering lyrics uh you know when you're driving but talk to me about like what goes into writing a song for you like is is it truly is every song different are there certain times or periods of your life or thematics that you're always continually drawing from or particularly enjoy writing about because again i think back to the stereotype thing like People think about country music as like, it's either about a dog, it's about a beer, it's about a truck, or it's about a girl. (laughs) And like, yeah, that might be true for some part, but I feel like country's at this unique point in time where it's kind of evolving, sometimes better, sometimes worse, like pop country and things, but there's kind of a lot of things going into country music. There's a lot of collaborations between like, I've seen EDM artists, I've seen rock bands collabing with stuff, like Backstreet Boys was on Florida Georgia Line, but talk to me about for you, like... Where are you drawing this inspiration from, uh, you know, as a songwriter, as Emily Daniels?
0: Well, first of all, I'm scared of dogs, so it's not going to be about a dog. I don't like beer. I'm more of a wine or whiskey girl and I drive a Honda CRV, so it's not going to be about trucks. So I'm maybe on the outside looking in, I don't look like a stereotypical country artist um, or at least what people might be thinking. Um, I only got my first pair of cowboy boots last year and it was in New York. (laughs) I liked them because they were white and just pretty. And I don't know, I'm not, I, I'm a country fan. I have listened to it my whole life. I'm a country artist, but I grew up in Nashville, which ironically is not like, I don't know, I didn't grow up on a farm. I didn't grow up like milking cows or anything. So my content and stuff of my songs is, really reflective of, of my life. Um, I'm very like autobiographical in songs. It's hard for me to be a part of a song, whether writing it or singing it, that I can't relate to. And sometimes there's always gonna be creative liberties with that, um, and making something kind of more exaggerated, or you know, the details might not be spot on because maybe it doesn't rhyme, or maybe it's just, I don't know, it Makes you have to make it clear. Um, but I guess for me, it really is. Every song is kind of different. I think the ideas have to be there and have to be strong. I also, I'm like a big fan of dad jokes and puns and stuff. So I really love a good twist of either a twist of phrase or a twist of word or using some like a title that's deceiving that you think and not that I want to like trick my my listeners, but just something that you think you know where it's going to go and you don't because uh, I, I love listening to those songs personally too. like. For example, Thomas Rhett's song "Marry Me," um, and or is it "Marry"? Yeah, "Marry Me." <laughs> um, but that song, like when he announced the the title of it, people were like, "Oh, that's gonna be my wedding song." He's like, "Maybe not. Like, you need to listen to it first. It's not what you think." And um, so, I feel like I love those songs just because they're interesting and they make you want to listen again to like catch the nuances you didn't get before. But I guess for me, I go into a room and everyone kind of goes around and talks about ideas they have in their phone. Um, whether it's, um, a hook or just a concept or, um, I don't know. It kind of depends. Sometimes you just have the melody It and it really depends on the day. Like sometimes I'm, I walk in a room, especially if it's like a rainy day. I think so many sad songs in Nashville get written on rainy days probably. Um, it's like kind of a mood and, um, Just if I'm or if like I've gone through a breakup, then like probably going to be writing a lot of sad songs for that time period. Um, Or if I'm meeting someone like then probably going to be some like, where is this going to go kind of songs? Um, Because I think it's it's hard to write the opposite when you're in that like that situation. So if you're going through a breakup, it's hard to write a like a love song because it doesn't, at least for me, it doesn't feel authentic. And maybe if you're writing for someone else, you can kind of get in their headspace a little bit. But if it's a song that I'm going to be putting out, hopefully i it needs to be something that I can relate to and want to sing and express in a new way.
1: So a recent car thought I had on the highway as it relates to music was, what do you think it is about so many of songs are always like backward looking about our lives? Is it as simple to say, well, it's because there's just so much emotion there. We know how it played out versus writing forward looking songs about maybe what we're hoping for. And you kind of touched on a little bit in the last answer, but I want to dig a little bit deeper here is because we don't really know. And it's purely just maybe anticipation, excitement, or hopefulness, or is there a deeper meaning that you feel like that all of us are kind of still, whether we're country music artists, rap artists, normal everyday people like we as people do a really bad job of like staying fixated on our past and trying to like Rubik's cube our way through our lives and trying to figure out, well, why didn't this relationship work out or why didn't this happen? Or why did this traumatic thing have to happen to me? And we spend too much time doing on that. So then it's just something more relatable that drives listens.
0: I guess it's probably like a rear view mirror. Like you have to see where you've been to know where you're going kind of thing. I think just like we have like history classes in school, like you, you don't want to repeat the same mistakes and for me i'm i very much analyze like choices i've made i'm very i don't know i'm a rule follower to a t like as a kid i put myself in timeout <laughs> like i'd come to my mom i'm like i broke the rule i'm in timeout now and she's like okay like are you okay like let's show you some grace like i love you um so i think in life too like if i accidentally do something or. I don't know. Typically, I want to believe it's unintentional, but I'm going to analyze that to be like, okay, why did I do that? Like, I don't want that to happen again. And so I think with songs, it's a lot of just mulling over things that everyday people do, too. We just kind of find a way to put it to a melody and um, word it in a catchy way. (laughs) Um, But I guess with also like if someone were to write a song about 2020, there's you can look back at a lot of things but like if someone were to try to write a song about 2021 it's a lot of like what if like who knows speculative stuff and so it's easier to write a song like especially with like facts that's like past tense but I do have a song coming out next year that's like if you did this then this would happen but it's still kind of like based on that's happened before and it's made me fall for someone kind of thing so it's like giving someone kind of like a, a rule book to like, if you want to date me, then this is like, these are things that would help.
1: So I know this year you were featured on the Netflix show sing on. Um, and so my only question about that, cause I know we can't talk about um, where you ended up, uh, but wishing you the best, uh, <laughs> obviously hoping that you win. But uh, what was it like going to London as a American country music artist? Because, I feel like in our head or we, you know, we watch movies or we think about pop culture is like, I'm sure everyone in the UK could tell you like, oh, Taylor Swift or Drake or Travis Scott or like, you know, all these kind of global and air quotes, I'm putting air quotes, icons in in the music industry, because that's probably what it's on their radio too. But I'm just going to go out on a limb. And again, I hate assumptions, but I, I just feel like country music probably is not played very much over there. Is that true or false? And like, what was your experience about like being like, I'm from Nashville, Tennessee. Hello, London. You know, tell me about that.
0: <laughs> so I think country music has kind of gotten a bigger presence over there recently. Um, they have this like C2C fest over there. Um, and so it, it's definitely, there's like, there are listeners there, um, that we're kind of trying to, to go and acknowledge and, and see them cause it's kind of far away obviously. But, um, I went over there to film the show, sing on and like we didn't see other people really like right before I didn't get into London until like 1130 p.m. the night before taping because my flight was like delayed twice and was just a mess. But whenever afterwards, I guess people over there really associate Nashville or Tennessee with jack daniels more than with country music like if i tell people because i studied abroad and i would like say like oh yeah i'm from i'm from the states i'm from nashville like country music and they just kind of looked at me and i'm like uh tennessee jack daniels and they're like oh jack daniels like they were so excited about that which is funny but um i don't know i guess it just hasn't really been over there for that long that I know of, at least. I think that's why these festivals are like popping up there now. Um, But I do think there's people that like it. I just think it's a new phenomenon, which is awesome because I love bringing country music to other parts of the world. Like I think it's definitely more American than like pop music that kind of even just lyrically and stuff and themes of songs and pop music tries to be more general, um, that can relate to people from any background. Um, but I think country music is kind of specific to not even just like America, but to the South, like mostly and not, I mean, people, it's still themes like life and love and heartache and, you know, things that people can relate to, but sometimes also the country accent throws people off and, you know, I don't appreciate that because, You can't help it. (laughs) But um I don't know. I also didn't realize I like am kind of bad at hearing some country accents because my mom's from Alabama and I didn't know she had an accent until I went to college. Like I had no idea. And my roommates are like, whoa, her accent. I was like, does she have one? Really? (laughs) And like I had no clue. But I I don't know. I think mine's kinda gotten more heavy since I've been back in Nashville.
1: What have you learned about yourself this year through, we'll just call it all things 2020. And again, not putting words in your mouth that you have to have learned something about yourself, but I want to just take a moment in time of realizing the state of where we are, the state of literally being in November in 2020 of the opportunity to come back to this episode in five, 10, 15 years and be like, what was in the mind of Emily Daniels right now when, you know, you're on your world tour. And I was like, yeah, sad. No. You know, <laughs> but like, I'm just curious, because I know, like, I've learned a lot about myself. And I can already tell, like, you're a deep thinker. And I think that's part of what probably makes you a great songwriter is your ability to kind of like get in your head. And like, what am I really feeling what's really going on this moment. So I just want to give you the runway or the space to, to kind of talk through, if anything you want to share with anybody that's listening, like, what have you learned about yourself that you you know, weren't expecting to this year or that due to not being able to go out and sing and perform and all these amazing things, you know, maybe you've picked up other interests or things that have brought out other things in you?
0: That's a good question. I think, well, first of all, <laughs> it's so weird that this is still going on to me. Like my mind is still kind of blown. Um, my birthday was last week and I remember thinking early in quarantine, whenever people were celebrating birthdays, like in unconventional ways, I'm like, oh, That sucks for them. But like, honestly, by the time it's my birthday in November, like, we're going to be fine. And now I'm like, just kidding. We're not fine. (laughs) Like I take it all back. So it's it's just kind of crazy that no one expected the first two weeks to lead to just how life is now. Um, But I think the biggest thing I've learned, I've learned a lot. Um, I've learned you can't eat banana bread like every day and then think that it's not going to affect you. But no, the biggest thing I think I've learned is just the value of rest and um I think I've had to learn how to sit still and that's really hard for me. Um I'm like an Enneagram 3, so I'm always like doing something and staying busy and and always have like kind of several side hustles going on. Um but I don't think that's always good for like peace of mind and just you can't pour into someone if you're not pouring into yourself too and so I tend to burn the candle at both ends and with this like I haven't had shows really this year I'd say 90 to 95 percent of shows have been canceled so I've had a lot of free time but I don't necessarily I didn't know how to fill that and I felt guilty for not filling it and for watching more Netflix or for tanning in my backyard for hours a week. And I didn't, I felt bad about that, but I kind of had to realize that like, that's okay if that's all I can do that week and just how my body kind of needed that physical rest but also the like mental rest and break from things. And for me, like it's been really nice spending so much time with my family. They're all around here and I just didn't realize the time that I'd missed with them when I normally am just going about my day to day. And I think also when your family's close by, you sometimes don't see them as often as you would think because you take it for granted. And so there's so many times I could have before gone to visit them, but I just didn't make it a priority. And now I just had a new baby niece born this summer and I've tried to see her like every two or three weeks at least. And she's a Murfreesboro. So she's still like 30 minutes from or a little bit, but I've been like spending weekends with them and it's just been so nice to like get to prioritize that this year. And I, I think I've learned that even when things do open back up, I want to make sure that still remains a priority. Um, and not just like seeing family, like obviously that's, that's up there, but like also resting. I think I, I can't keep going at the pace I was going at and not to say like, I'm not going to work as hard, but I think just working smarter and figuring out ways to delegate things that I need to delegate or let go of things that are not benefiting me because I tend to say yes to everything. And I'm like, okay, actually I can say no to this and I'm not actually disappointing this person. They just find someone else to do it or, you know, it gets done somehow somewhere, somewhere else. But
1: <laughs> so I wrote this Instagram caption last night that was like something I was just thinking about on my walk yesterday. And that was like, how we're all so transfixed or like so focused on like just got to get out of 2020 and it's (laughs) going to get better. But I really feel like like it's a big mistake for us to try to like cancel the year that really woke so many of us up to, wow, like I shouldn't be saying yes to everything. I should be resting. I should, I value, you know, family. And we would all say those things, but I think we've all forgotten about the importance of being still. And like, I, I even think about that Bible verse, like, You know, I I was recently convicted of, like, I'm sitting here praying, like, God, like, why is this happening to me? Why aren't these things working out? Why is, like, I moved to Nashville to start this whole thing, and, like, now I'm regretting it because I'm, like, was this a mistake? But it's, like, there's that verse that's, like, God's, like, be still and know that I'm God. Mm -hmm. He doesn't say, like, move forward and know that I am God. And, yes, there are instances, uh, you know, in the Bible of you know, the walls of Jericho falling, like Moses' parting in the Red Sea, like all these action-oriented things because I think God is a God of movement and we can't just like sit on our butt and eat banana bread all day and be like, God, like give us a significant other, give us this dream career because that's not going <laughs> to happen. But like, I think God is even in the stillness too and I think we forget that. So my question to you is, you mentioned a lot of things that I think all of us, and again, this is not me doubting you being like, you're not going to do this, you know, in 2021. <laughs> but I want to ask you further about as more of picking your brain as someone that's like wise and thought about these things of like, what can we learn from you is I feel like we all have these moments where we're like, we need to do more of this or, you know, we go through a traumatic breakup and we're like, well, I'm not going to make that mistake again. But lo and behold, you know, we, for a lot of us, it like, we keep facing the same pain with a different name because we're not really changing anything. And I call it, or I chalk it down to this kind of like the metaphor of like, you're driving down the highway you see the cop that's like speed gunning. You, so you slam on the brakes and you're like, crap, I'm speeding. And then you're like, go in the speed, of it, go in the speed, of it, go on the speed. Of it. And then you pass the cop and then like you get over the hill and you're like, looking in your mirror and like, hi, I can't see me. You're like, go. Like, Maybe this is just me. But <laughs> like, and I feel like that is that is such a metaphor for so many things in our lives where we get confronted with something where we realize like, oh, shoot, I'm doing the wrong thing. Or this isn't healthy for me. Or I can't keep going like this. So we pump the brakes and we're like, okay. There's a rest period, there's a laying off that habit period, there's this, there, that. But then the farther we get away from that moment, it's like, well, let's just get back to the way things were. So all that to say, how do you feel like for you personally, if you've even had this thought yet, or I'm putting you on the spot, but like, how do you feel like you're going to be able to keep these things in these priorities, this current perspective in November 2020, the same as November 2021 because if you're like me, I'm like, man, as soon as music gets back, I'm getting back to work. We're saying yes to all these artists, we're going this, we're gonna create that, because I've like sat on my butt for a year, but I think that there's something really valuable in what you said. And that's why I'm just curious of like how can we learn to keep this perspective and not be the oh, cops in the rearview mirror can't see me more, go, you know, like I've rested for a year and a half. I I can pull all nighters and perform every weekend and still see my family, like how do we keep that in check but still pursue our passions?
0: Yeah, um, that's a great question. I think for me personally, I think having accountability is really important um, because a lot of times we all have blind spots that you like don't, you can't see yourself. That's why they're blind spots. But I think surrounding myself with people that are that have those same values and are, are also trying to implement those um, moving forward is really going to be like what helps me. Also, it helps having a really cute baby niece that like I'm gonna miss out on big moments if I'm not there, it's just a fact. And so yes, like I'm going to still have to perform like once venues open up again and once I can start making money doing that, like I, I mean, I need to make money doing shows. So I can't say no to all of them, but I do think looking at my calendar and I have a bad habit of if there is free space, I fill it and to the point where there's not a a break to take a breath or to go to workout class, which Lord knows I need to go to more of those. But I, I just have a bad habit of, of like saying yes to anything that can fit in my schedule, but maybe shouldn't. Um, and so I think for me, like, I really want to moving forward, um, something that I want to keep is like a Sabbath day, whether that's actually on like sunday or saturday or whatever have a day i like i've talked to my counselor about this too i was like maybe i can like allow myself this was before covid started but i was like maybe i can allow myself like one day every other week to to like not schedule anything and she's like why does it have to be every other week Emily like why don't you do it once a week and I was like that just seems like too much like that's that's too often and I'm like laughing at myself now because well first of all I had no idea that that was going to become the norm but also like that is literally biblical and I like wasn't allowing like I thought that that was lazy and I think there's also things you can do during that time that sometimes okay for example sometimes for me watching Netflix is not like restful if I'm watching like I had (laughs) I used to watch blacklist I like binge watch the whole thing and it's like a very intense show where like it's kind of like 24 where you like there's all these emergencies and like literally I think my heart rate was going up every time I watched it and so I was I was trying to go to bed and then I would feel anxious because I'm like oh no but how are we going to save the world and so that's not helpful but also like maybe watching an episode of friends is like something that can like relax me a little bit so being I think being choosy as to how you spend your free time too, to like actually do something that's like self-care because not, not every self-care method is created equally. <laughs> um, but I think moving forward, just keeping that Sabbath day as, as a priority um, because I don't think I can have five days off a week, but I can definitely prioritize one um, for my own mental health and just so that I am able to pour into people appropriately
1: what do you feel like are your goals as a musician is it simple to say i just want to be known are there i want to perform at this venue i want to win this award i want to put out this many records i want to be more of a songwriter than a performer like when you think about your career and again not to be like emily give us the five-year plan (laughs) just cause I think we don't know how long this current state of the world is going to last is like, what, like what does success look like for you? What are those goals? Do you have goals? Is it purely just living in the moment? Like, tell me about those things.
0: I have goals for sure. Um, I think there's some like super tangible, one, like, I don't know, like I want to play at the Grand Ole Opry. I think a lot of country singers would, that would be at the top of their list as well. Um, but There's also goals that like, I guess, as you were saying, trying to be forward looking, there's things that I'm not even going to be able to imagine that I hope will come into play. Um, But as far as things that I can hope for, I think for me, it's not necessarily like, oh, I need to be a household name, um, though that would be really cool. I think for me, it's like being able to relate to people all over the world, like through music. And I love I love traveling. So I would love to have like a, a. big like international tour I think would be just incredible to to see other cultures and see like music touching them um and like I'm a believer and I I'm not in Christian music but I think being in country music kind of gives me a like not <laughs> I, I say this cautiously like a bigger platform and that not everyone that listens to country music is a Christian but I would fair to say the majority of people that listen to Christian music are Christians. So I think I've been like really influenced by people like Ben Rector who are in a space that they're not in the Christian music world, but they have the opportunity to reach more people and like kind of quote unquote preach, but without being preachy and without being like, you're doing this wrong. But I think he does a great job of pointing out things that he's struggling with personally and like just kind of calling himself out but in just a humble way and in a relatable way like I listen to his songs and he'll be like man I like I should do this more or like what if we lived like the world's gonna end tomorrow kind of thing and he says it in a way that you're like oh man me too like I should do that instead of being like you should do this or you should do that it's very much him calling himself out um and not even in a degrading way just in a like you know, I I have flaws, these are them <laughs> and puts them out there in a way that you feel comfortable sharing your own flaws and kind of makes you think. And so I'm hoping like, for me, music has just been a cool way of sorting through my own stuff, but hopefully in a way that someone else can unpack theirs as well and hear themselves in um, a line or two. I don't know. So I think music is just, is really therapeutic. And that's, I was a psychology major in college and stuff. And that's something that's always just been like really appealing to me about music. And that if you're going through a breakup, you're really upset. If your friend comes in and starts telling you about their breakup, you're going to be like, I don't really want to hear about that. It's not about you right now. (laughs) Like, I'm upset. Like, why are you telling me this? Like, go away. But you also don't want them to be like, it's going to be great. Like, you're, you're not ready to be like happy yet. But you will turn on like a really sad song of some... Basically, a stranger just sharing about their own breakup or what their a time that they were really sad. And you'll like cry to that and you'll be ha- like, it's just so interesting that that's the same thing as like your friend trying to console you by telling them something, that some way that they could relate to you. But when it's set to music and it's a stranger saying it, it feels like more comfortable. Like that's always mind blowing to me that like we just go and put on a really sad song and like that helps you get through something. Um, so I think music just has a cool way of touching people um because it literally uses another part of your brain like my grandfather had a stroke and before he could say his name again um he literally like couldn't speak but he could sing all of jesus loves me because it's on a totally different part of your brain and i think that's just a cool thing about god he like created our brains so i mean intricately to like so that you could use different parts of it when needed.
1: I feel like you have such a great perspective, and it's one that I really admire for people to, I think, understand that like being a believer in Jesus and being a Christian isn't solely executed through being a pastor or being a worship leader. Like God has given us all like a wide variety of gifts that absolutely, if that is your calling to full-time ministry, do it. I admire it. I think that's amazing. But I think so many of us get deceived into this like self deprecating shamefulness of like, but I'm feeling called to country music or I'm feeling called to, you know, do this. But like, does that make me a bad Christian or am I not living up to my full potential? And I'm not God, so I'm not going to sit and tell you what's the right answer. I I believe, you know, we have the Holy Spirit for a reason and we're led in certain directions. And, you know, you talked about having peace about change your name. And so we're led in these in my opinion, in these big crossroads of our lives, is it A or B or is it A, B or C? Which one do we do? Like, I believe that that decision can be prayed for and led through. But I just think it's so special. And I wanted to call that out because I think that there's such a platform. Like you talked about Ben. Ben's a good friend of mine. I I love him. But I love Ben's heart because it's just like you said. It's like Jesus does, like the name Jesus does make a few lyrical appearance in his songs. Right. Um, but if you know Ben, you know he has such a heart, he's such a family man, his family means more to him than his music, and he values the impact on his family more than he will as an artist, but I think he does such a great job, and I think we all, if you're listening today as believers in Jesus, need to be more like this, and if you're not a believer in Jesus, you're probably saying amen in the back, because like, <laughs> I think that we do such a poor job of holding ourselves accountable, particularly in the public perspective of an Instagram caption of a man, I was really convicted by this. Not like a, Ooh, look at all you Trump supporters or, Oh, look at all you (laughs) Biden supporters. Y'all need to read this verse rather than like, it starts with us and it starts with what can we change and how can I focus on myself? And I think that like, that's been my biggest takeaway of 2020 is like, there are so many things that you can get distracted by that you can learn every little detail about COVID and all the changing symptoms and all the statistics and not that, you know, we need to ignore COVID-19 by any means, but it's like, if I can recite to you all the COVID statistics, what good does that actually do for me and you? Nothing. But if I can instead, you know, say, God, like, show me where I'm wrong, show me where I need to improve myself, show me where I'm falling short, like, and evolve myself that way. So all my long rambling long answers just to say is like, I so appreciate and admire that about you that, like that is part of your perspective that it's not like God or country music. It's like God in country music. It's like how you carry yourself and like, um, like how you interact with all your fans and stuff, like will be so much more of a, an impact or can be a platform. So I think that's really cool. So I want to ask you, so we're transitioning from like a very serious question to kind of a lighter topic, but the color red <laughs> sure enough, all of your Instagram, you have a red jacket on right now. Tell me about the color red in Emily Daniels.
0: Well, it's my favorite color. Not surprising. Um, I guess it kind of—it hasn't always been my favorite color. Actually, before red, I, I really liked um, like a turquoise blue, but I didn't like wear it all the time. I just liked it. I don't know. I thought it was pretty. I still do think it's pretty, but uh, red for me has just been as an artist, and like it's been helpful. Kind of, it's a mindset, I guess. Um, Because if I'm nervous for a big show or something, and the last thing I do is put on like red lipstick before I go on, um, and you can't wear red, you can't like it's a it's a color that people like see whether they're a cop pulling you over because you have a red car, which I don't, for probably for that reason, (laughs) Um, or just like someone on the street if they're walking by in a crowd and they have red on, like you can spot them easily. You can't wear red and blend in. So I guess for me, it kind of makes me more confident, I guess, going on stage because I'm like, I can't just like blend in the background here. I have to like own it. So it just is kind of a a cool reminder um, to to own the stage whenever I'm on it. And it's kind of bled into my personal life too. I like I just love it. And like my closet. Okay, people are always surprised. They think my closet's like all red. It's not but it there's a lot of red in there. Um, there's never too much. It's just a color that I've kind of come to love so much for, I don't know. It's like a color of, I guess, of passion too, but it's just something that I think is more than anything, just a mentality of like being strong and powerful. And I, I think also with my family background and stuff, it's like I had to sit back for so long and like I've always loved performing. I've always loved singing and whatever. I played violin and stuff growing up too. So whatever I could to get on stage. But with my dad, I had to kind of shrink back. And so I didn't feel like I had a voice in that respect. And now that I do, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to like lean into who I am. And so... I'm not really a wallflower. I love like I'm very much a people person. I love like meeting new people at a party and whatever it is, like pre COVID. And um I don't know. I just I think it's really a mentality more than anything. And people always remember it too, which is cool because people will like tag me in things or they'll comment on things and they're like, I saw this and thought of you. And it makes me so happy because well one I typically end up buying whatever it is I saw, but also just that it's like resonating with people and I don't know it's a brand but more than that like it's just something that's been empowering for me um in a weird way just it's a color but it's more than that
1: when you think about like the sound of Emily Daniels like the artist like talk to me about how has that sound if if at all like changed over the years months as being an artist and then on the flip side of that, on a more general perspective, because I'm being selfish and I have a question, I want to get your perspective on Tacti- tactfully, like how does that sound as specifically in country music evolve? Is it about getting a better, you know, I don't know, singing coach? Is it going from being a single acoustic player to now surrounding yourself with a band? Like what is that journey of an artist or even how you think about your journey or where even what you aspire to evolve as an artist like from an actual sound perspective of the music
0: so my own sound I kind of to be honest when I came back to Nashville three and a half years ago now um I didn't really have my sound locked down like I didn't I didn't know what I wanted to sing about per se like or know what direction I was going in. Um, but I was smart enough to know that I, if I didn't know I wasn't going to put stuff out. So I spent the first few years, um, really just writing anything and everything with anyone that would write with me. And it was really helpful. Cause I think that first year, I mean, you write as a songwriter, you're writing anywhere, like at least like I would say most people write at least like a hundred songs a year. Um, that's a very just thrown out their numbers, So some people might write less and they might all be hits. I don't know. Some people might write 400 songs. Um, but you write a lot of songs. And um, of those songs, the first year I listened back to all of them and I was like, what of these songs would I actually put out as an artist? And I think there was like maybe one. And I don't even think I put that out, but I, it kind of helped me to figure out, okay, well, why that one? What What about that song feels like me that I have to say as Emily Daniels, as opposed to someone else singing it um, and so I kind of leaned into that and it was it was also really helpful for me having songwriters that understood me both as an artist but also as a person um, so I think that's why also a lot of us write with friends um, or your writers become your friends because they, they get to know you in a very unique special way um, so some of my like favorite writers are some of also my best friends and they've helped me create that sound and um, that feels just really authentically me because I grew up on 90s country. I grew up listening to Shania Twain and Jodi Messina and um, Faith Hill and all these powerful female women that I, it was just, it wasn't weird to to think like that could be me one day. Also growing up in Nashville, that was just so encouraged and it's kind of crazy to think about because other parts of the world, that'd probably be like, uh, well, good luck with that. But in Nashville, they were like, awesome. like. How are you gonna do it? Like let's let's figure it out. And so that was a really cool perspective to like have um just growing up. But I don't know, I was really influenced by them, but I also listened to a lot of of other music too. I mean, Ben Rector's kind of in that singer songwriter pop realm. I don't know what you'd call it, but I love it. And um like I love Tori Kelly. She's very also she's also singer songwriter and pop, but kind of R and B. Um just very soulful. And I, I listen to a lot of different music, but at the end of the day, country is like what I was raised on and just who I am. And I'd feel like for me, what drew me to country to begin with is the storytelling. Like, I just think it's, it's not the same in other genres. Like the story ne- necessarily isn't there. It's, it sometimes is just more emotion driven or hooky. Um, but I love just the raw, I don't know, um, vulnerability of, of country songs. And, um, I think that's always just going to be my first love, but I think also I, I love harmonies. I love, I was in an acapella group for years. I love, um, kind of bringing those aspects into it and still having a modern feel. Um, even though I love nineties country, I don't think I'm putting out like a nineties country song now. It can have that heavy influence to it, but I think there's still some really cool production stuff that have changed throughout the years and they've learned, had to do a lot since then um I mean you can record vocals in like your closet I like did that the other day on a a zoom right they were they made the whole track in their studio that's amazing and then I recorded vocals and like on a voice memo on my phone and sent it over obviously that's not the final vocals but it's cool how it can all kind of come together virtually especially this year so I guess for me like my sound has evolved as I've kind of figured out who I am as an artist, but also as a person and just what I stand for and what, I don't know. It's crazy to think like, what are your core values? But unless you sit down and think about it, you don't necessarily know, like obviously like faith and family, like up there, but like what, defines you as a person like that's kind of a intimidating question at least it was for me um and I think sometimes people spend their whole lives trying to figure out who are who they are um and I don't think there's any shame in that I we're always evolving we're always changing in that and who we are like at our core it might not change but you know I think people have big career changes or big shifts in character and stuff and I don't know. So I think that's a big question of like figuring out who you are um, and how like your music's going to evolve with that and you go through different seasons of life. So if you're going through a, a big heartbreak, whether it's like a romantic heartbreak or if it's like someone in your family has died or something big has happened, like it's going to affect you um, as a person and then as an artist as well. It's going to kind of overlap um, as far as country evolving. I don't know. I, I don't think it's. So sometimes, yeah, sometimes people go from like that acoustic sound to like a more full band pop sound. But at the same time, I think a prime example would be like Taylor Swift started off like very with with like country roots and um had this iconic sound. And then she shifted into the pop world, which honestly, there's no shame in that. Like if that is who she like if how she changed as an artist and stuff like I support that. I think it's no longer country at that point, And that's totally fine. It's more of just a label on that. Um, but I also I really loved her most recent album that came out this year. And so she shifted back. And I wouldn't say that's like, oh, she went backwards. It's just that's where she was at. And I think that's where a lot of us are at this year. I think a lot of like acoustic albums have come out this year because we're all kind of stripping everything back to your roots and we're all back home and um, we don't need the huge production always like. And not to say we don't listen to that at all, but I think we're more we're listening when we listen to a song as opposed to being distracted by a song like when we're driving or when we're doing other stuff. So people like want to hear that authentic, real take of a song um, the way that it was like written in the first place. So I don't know. I think each artist is going to like evolve differently, whether it means stripping back stuff and going to something more basic but not that doesn't mean it's simple just more basic in production or whether it does mean like growing into this big full-blown production of a sound um I don't know I think I I don't even know like necessarily where, where my artistry will go I know who I'm influenced by and like I can see how their careers evolved throughout the years I I really do love pop music though and I think I wouldn't be opposed to like in the future having some kind of cool crossover. I don't think I would necessarily switch over fully, but like having, I don't know, even like Marion Morris did um, the middle, which I absolutely love. Um, I think a lot of artists are kind of doing that and collaborating in ways no one expected. Like Keith Urban just put out a song with pink and like, who would have thought that? But I, literally jammed to that every day. I think it's so good. Um, so if you haven't listened to it yet, you should, it's called one too many and I'm obsessed and I might be doing a cover of it later with my friend Spencer. But, um, I think there's like no rules anymore and the lines are kind of blurred in a good way. Um, because we're all influenced by, by different things. So I guess there's no shame in like branching out and stuff if, as long as it's authentic to you, like for me, I can already promise you right now I will never rap (laughs) like that is not that is not a talent of mine I don't even really listen to rap music but um yeah that's not happening but you know who's to say that I might not branch out or even do a Christian song at some point like I don't know um I don't want to limit myself or other artists I think that's limiting creativity creativity is really unfair um putting someone in a box but I think it's cool watching other people develop and like in turn being inspired by that and influence. So it kind of goes all over the
1: place. Building off of that, how do you feel like you balance? Cause you said something that was interesting to me. Well, you said a lot of things are interesting to me in that <laughs> response. I'm glad you got something but out of that. <laughs> the first thing I thought you said that was interesting that caught my attention was, you know, I have so many songs, but then when I went back, it was only one or two or whatever the number, what you said was very few that you feel like really represented you. But Being, I'm not a musical artist, but I do work for a lot of musical artists. I have some access to kind of the strategy behind how things play out in 2020 and like releasing music. And so I guess where I want to go with this is a recent thought that I had that really blows my mind. And I've talked about this, I think in my episode with Bailey was I can't imagine all the songs that you've probably written in your head or actually have already written that will never be released or never actually get onto Spotify. Maybe they're performed at a show, but like, what if that was the song that made you go, you know, like into the person that you were? And, and I think, you know, sadly, I'm reminded of that when it doesn't really happen in country music, but other genres where there's been a lot of artists that have passed away this year, the past couple of years, and then, you know, their music gets released or their family or whoever owns their trust or whatever releases the music because they want to be heard or, you, or there's all these catalogs of songs that were never released. And it's like, well, what if that was the song that would have taken them from, you know, to where they are to where they want to go? And I feel like an artist that has done this really well, and it's not country music, so I hope not everyone's going to eye roll, but like the Chainsmokers have done a really good job of like, uh, if you follow their music, they're like putting, they've been putting on like an album, like it feels like every six months or there's, uh, they remix their own song or they remix someone else's song because I feel like the challenge of like, I don't even want to say 2020 because it happened way before this, but how for the most part we all consume music now is through playlists whether that's someone else's or our own rather than albums. And so I think that there's like this, like I don't want to say temptation because that has like a very negative connotation, but there's a lot of thought in the music industry or this debate of like, do we release singles or do we we release albums? And so I just want to ask you like for you, what is that balance of like quality versus quantity? Cause I think you could probably, you're skilled enough to where you could probably put out a song a day like oh, I, 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 mean, I, I mean i know like there's a lot of no that, that of like getting to the point where you're at masters you know in the audios and stuff but like you really could if you technically wanted to but like is it your best work i don't know i'm not here to judge that so it's like how do you balance kind of being an artist in this era where it's it's just in my opinion it's about trying to get as many at bats as you can of trying to get in front of people but i think that there is some point and i don't know what that point is on the graph of like diminishing returns where either you're not getting the return from it or like you're gonna wear yourself out and it's no longer fun and now you're just pushing out music just to push out music and it's not authentically you. Right. But at the same time we're in this digital era where it's like that barrier to entry of like a big label, you have the green light to go whenever you you know want to. And I know it's not right, that right. easy. But you know what I'm saying? Like so no,
0: there's freedom, yeah, for sure. So how do
1: you how do you balance that for you personally?
0: I think as an independent artist it's there's definitely pros and cons pros yeah you can you can put out music whenever you want like you're in charge of that um however you are also financially the one backing that so i think for me starting out like i've only started releasing music this year and i've done it single by single because um people don't know me yet and so people aren't necessarily going to want to hear an entire album of me when they don't know who I am. They haven't heard my music. They're not invested yet. And so also just with streaming services being the way they are, they really value um, releasing music more frequently. So the lifespan on like an album is going to be shorter. So like, let's say you have 10 songs on an album. If you put it all out at one time, a month from now, that album is going to be quote unquote old news as far as new releases go like and how many people are going to listen to that album all the way through once but then probably not listen to it all the way through multiple times unless they're like super fans which love them love them. if you're a super fan of me dm me because i'm i'm a super fan of you <laughs> um but i don't know if you if you put it that out that same album out 10 songs as singles once a month, you have a year's worth of, I mean, almost a year's worth of content that, like, it's going to show fans like, oh, I liked that song last month. I can't wait to see what they're putting out this month. And they might, in that meantime, during that month, they might listen to that song over and over versus forgetting about it because they're just overwhelmed with the amount of songs out there. There's so much noise and it's not all bad noise. Obviously, <laughs> there's a lot of great noise out there, but you're trying to cut through the noise. And I think it's hard with a full album. And if you don't have those invested fans that are going to want to hear an entire album of you, um, from the ground up. Like, I think it, it takes trust and like establishing that relationship with them and knowing that that's what they want to hear. Um, and hopefully I will get to that point, but for now, I think for me and a lot of other artists, like singles are really the way we can get music out to you faster and they're, it's expensive to record and to record well. And, um, you know, it's, I don't think people realize like how expensive it is like for Christmas this year. My mom's like, so like, what do you, what do you want? Are there any like things on your wish list?" I'm like, honestly, I don't really want like things I don't have. Like, I mean, there's nothing that I'm like yearning for. Um, I don't want a PS five like <laughs> thankfully cause I don't think anyone's getting one at this rate. Um, but I was like, I, I want to be able to put music out. So like, I would love if you wanted to put money towards like, a recording or like voice lessons or different things that are expensive, but like really beneficial for my career. And then she can feel like I was a part of the song or whatever. Like that's something that's really valuable to me, um, as an independent artist, because I don't have that backing that I would love to have one day. Um, but until then it's just being smart. Also, like I think a lot of artists, like you're a lot of writers too, like your favorite song is going to be probably one that you've written recently because it's like fresh on your brain and you know if you were if you ride in the car with me I'm usually listening to one of my own songs on in the car um that's because I can listen to it through the car speakers and stuff and whether it's a demo or like a track I just got back like I will listen to it on repeat um and wear it out and kind of just figure out do I still love the song a month after I wrote it six months after I wrote it a year after I wrote it and some songs you love the day you wrote it because I mean writing a song is just really cool it's I mean it's like baking a cake where you're like oh my gosh this came out like the way it was supposed to and like this is awesome like I'm so excited but is that a recipe you're gonna make a year from like are you gonna want that cake a year from now like I don't know um is it gonna stand the test of time kind of thing I I have to kind of give myself the time and be patient and see, like, do I still love this song six months from now? Like, would I be jumping the gun to release it too soon? And I think also as you as time goes on, you kind of get better at making those judgment calls. But a lot of times I've been like really stoked on a song. And then like two years later, I listen. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm really glad I didn't release that. Like that was not my best work. Like and at the time it was or like I thought it was great. But I think sitting on stuff and being patient is sometimes best. So that's also why I probably wouldn't release a song once a day either, because if I released every song I wrote, I would have, I would be rolling my eyes at myself a lot. So, um, I don't know when you put something out there, it's out there forever. So just being cautious and, um, thoughtful about what songs are going to like be out into the world. Um, because, I mean, you want them to mean something and they're all important. They're all like your, your kids, like you can't pick a favorite necessarily, but they're important for different reasons. And some songs like you're writing for you and sometimes you're writing for other people like to relate to. So kind of knowing the difference and I don't know, I think for now I'm just going to keep doing singles though. Maybe an EP kind of like to wrap up a project of like where you're at. Um, that all kind of go together and tell, and telling one story or one season of life, but an album I hope will be in my future, just probably further away than <laughs> I would have liked.
1: Every uh, person or guest I have on gets the same last question. Cause I, I, I'm going to do something with it eventually. I'm not going to tell people what I'm going to do with it, but there's going to be some mashup between um, people's answers because you're all getting the same question. So uh, appreciate you coming on. Um, I learned a lot. I definitely will continue to tell you, like, I admire you for your intentionality, for um, your courage to continue to evolve yourself personally and as a musician. But I just, I don't know. I think we all need to hear from more people like you that, um, and that's my hope for the listeners today, that there are many things you can take away from this episode, but that kind of who you are as a person, regardless of your situation and the the terrible situation you had to go through as a kid. Um, And I don't want to also just, you know, erase over or wash over that I'm sure there are, you know, unfortunately lasting things that you're still working through. And that's absolutely understandable. I'd be the same way. But to me, I want to celebrate that you haven't really let it define you, that it wasn't the banner for forever. It certainly was this time period in your life and um he is still you know your real father but that god blessed you with the vision and the clarity and the peace to move forward in a new direction and and with you know your your stepdad um because i don't want to use the nickname and <laughs> <laughs> i don't i don't have that uh authority but um so i just think that's amazing i think that there's so many circumstances and that's kind of the heart behind this show is and this is going to lead into the question is a zero day is where nothing gets done towards accomplishing your goal your life. And I feel like we all either are living in this, like, today is the most impactful day ever, or it's like, eh, I just need to take a break, nothing's getting done. And that used to be my mindset. And I really realized, like, that's cool, but when you really start to stretch out or you commit to something, be it a relationship, be it being a songwriter, like, and you start looking at things on a macro level, it's like, wow, that's really unhealthy. Instead, I would rather today be, you know, a 25 day, a 50 day on like a zero to hundred scale of like what's getting done. And then when you look back at the week, the month, the quarter, the year, 2020, you know, you're not like, oh shoot, like I had 200 zero days and only like 500 days just because of the way the society and the, my mood, but rather if you can string together all these things, you have this kind of momentum effect or it's like the little thing. So that's kind of the heart behind the show. So I will let you answer this question with a personal story with however, whatever direction you want to go. What advice would you give to someone that is stuck in this zero-day mentality where there is something, be it a family circumstance that they're not able to get out of yet, be it they're stuck or unmotivated to chase their dreams of country artists, whatever lens you want to view this through, or all the above. What advice would you give them or story to help them get out of being stuck by or pinned down by that thing whatever it is that's keeping them from chasing their goal or dream?
0: I would say do one little thing a day. And okay, I'll rephrase that. Do one thing a day. Um, Some days it might be small. It might feel like unimportant. Um, Some days it might be huge. Um, For me, one day I might be going into the studio and recording a song. And that's like, those are some of my favorite days. Some days are gonna look as simple as like taking a drive and like I said I get a lot of ideas driving around and like who knows like when that is going to hit um some days you mentally can't give it 100 and that's okay but I think choosing to give it zero is is kind of a defeatist mindset um and for me like I think like we talked about earlier like rest is really important. And so maybe that one thing for that day is like doing something self care that's actually going to be helpful, not just a Netflix binge, but like something that's going to clear your mind so that you can like work better. Um, maybe for me, I'm like, (laughs) I can't work if my space is messed up. So for me, that might be like cleaning my room so that I can sit down and actually focus and get something done. Um, and I'm a big like to do list fan. So I constantly have to-do lists written out or on my phone. And I think I have ones that are like, this needs to get done in life. And then I have ones that are like today this needs to get done. So I think just giving yourself a sustainable goal of one thing a day. Um because then over the course of a week, like that's seven things you got done. And like I said, some things are gonna be small, some things are going to be big, but each one of those like is going to take you to the next step. And so you can't discount like the smaller steps getting there because you can't, I can't get to the studio if I haven't written the song, if I haven't, you know, like had the idea, if I didn't, if I didn't go on that drive, I wouldn't have gotten the idea to then go into a writing room to then write a song to then decide this needs to be produced to find a producer to go into the studio. Like it all starts with that one little thing. So don't discount like the importance of that either, because if you don't, if you're just living for the days that you in the studio, you don't, you don't get there ever. So I think, yeah, just doing one thing a day.